What up, what up? Jimmy Murray here with Frank Petalano, and we are the Cashflow Kings. The Cashflow Kings podcast discusses money, finance, mindset, and investing with an emphasis on cash flowing real estate. Thanks for joining the Cashflow Kings, and welcome to our new episode, Rehab Hacks with Jesse Alvarez. We're here to help you crush your goals. Guys, super excited to have the rehab hacker himself, Jesse Alvarez, here today. Jesse, what's up, man? Not a lot. Living the dream over here. Um, super excited to be on your guys' podcast. Been listening to you guys for a while now. So uh, dope. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool to be on it. So guys, it is 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we record this. And Jesse is actually on the West Coast. So he is a bright, bright and early. <laughs> so shout out to him for that. Yeah, but, look, looking a little uh, sleepy eyed right now, but you know, I got a little I mean, bit of caffeine. No, I, would, I would have never known. I would have known. It's starting to kick in. The caffeine's starting to get there. No doubt. He's got this dope podcast studio. He, he's looking good. Don't let him fool you. Don't let him fool you. So, Jesse, can you dive in and tell us a little bit like how you got started in real estate, where your focus is, and where you're headed? So, um, I, I really got into real estate at a, a super young age. Um, everybody in my family is in real estate one way or another. So um, my father was a general contractor. Uh, my mother um, owned a daycare, but eventually became a realtor. My grandfather was a school teacher, eventually became a broker. Um, and then a bunch of them owned rental properties. So uh, we were pretty middle-class. I wouldn't say <laughs> upper-class whatsoever, but they own rental properties. So it's just kind of a part of life that you have rental properties. Um, our weekends, we often went to my grandma's beach house and it was short-term rentals before everybody called them short-term rentals. It was just the beach house that we stayed at and they rented it out when nobody was there. Um, so like, I remember when I was six years old, my summer job to get a Game Boy was to ride my bicycle down the hill to my grandfather's uh, quad and pull weeds for him. I had to do it all summer to get a Game Boy, but that, he hooked me up with the Game Boy, so um, it was a win. What color? Game got all, was it one of the colored ones, or was it like back? Uh, no, this was this was before, before the, the colored ones came out. <laughs> like the original, like gray this one. Is the, this is the OG one. Oh, dope. That yeah, was, yeah. So I got my Game Boy. I had to pull. I don't even know how many weeds. Yeah, yeah. Younger Gen Z, you actually had to like blow on the game and then slide it in, pop it in, make sure, it hit <laughs> and then you can play some Super Mario. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I kind of grew up around rental properties. And the interesting thing, I think, looking back now is they bought rental properties because they knew long term, the numbers are going to work. Um, yeah. You're always going to come out ahead. And there was never any talk about cash flow or, or any of the methods or strategies. It was like, hey, that place across the streets on sale, you want to buy it? <laughs> How do we buy it? And it, it, there was never really any strategy. So growing up, um, I just kind of assumed, yeah, I'll probably buy a couple rental properties over my life and we'll call it good. Uh, when I was 19, um, I was a little rebellious and uh, I got kicked out of my parents' house and I moved in with my best friend and uh, I was sleeping on his couch. And uh, um, eventually I, it was his parents' condo that they had purchased when they were going to get a separation. And eventually, uh, his parents decided they were going to get back together and they're like, we don't need this condo anymore. You guys kind of need to like move out. <laughs> <laughs> and so at this point I had already advanced up to living in a bedroom. Um, but, uh, um, 
my best friend's parents had paid cash for this place. And uh, they were like, well, um, we know that your family's in real estate. Um, have you, do you want to buy it? I said, I'm, I'm 19. How the hell am I going to buy a condo? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so they were like, well, if you put 10% down, we'll sell or carry the rest. I said, okay, well, how much do you want for it? I don't, I don't know how much this place is worth. And so they said, well, we'll give it to you for 60,000. I said, okay, I, I have no idea if that's a good deal or not. I have no idea what numbers look like. I have, I have no idea if that makes any sense whatsoever, but I went back to my family and I, I said, Hey, so, uh, my Drew's parents want to sell me their condo. Um, that seems like a pretty good deal and they're going to finance it because I mean, I have credit, but probably not enough to get a mortgage. And so, uh, um, I, I said, I don't know how I'm going to come up with six grand. And my, my grandmother who owned, uh, owned some rental properties is like, well, if you save up, um, half of the down payment, I'll match it for you. Love that. And I was like, awesome. I was like, okay, I, I can save up three K I can do that. You're going I was working like 90 hours a week at the time. I was like, okay, I, I can, I can save up three K. So I told them, hold on a sec. Let me save up a little bit more money. I saved up the three K my grandmother matched it. And uh, that got me seller financing on my first deal at 19. I love that. That's so that's, that's kind of like the, the baby step into it. And then kind of from there, um, my second property, I, I had moved down to California from Oregon. And uh, as you can imagine, the cost of living is just slightly different. Um, and so uh, I was renting a bedroom in California. I still own the place in Oregon, but I was renting a bedroom. And I was like, man, I... I would love to buy real estate, but it's crazy out here. This is the Bay Area. Nobody buy, <laughs> nobody that's my age in their 20s uh, can buy real estate. And so the housing market was tanking at the time. This is about 2009, 2010. And so I started looking at other states and I, I put in an offer on a place in uh, Arizona. So I, I bought a place in Arizona, three bedroom, two bath, 1533 square feet, nice track home for 60K. And so uh, that That's place is now, <laughs> even with Phoenix's market tanking right now, it's still worth 6X. That's um, wild. It, the numbers out here are a little crazy, but um, so I had my second rental property. What was that? 2011. So market basically out of state investing before anybody wanted to talk about it. <laughs> I was like, well, how, how the hell do I buy a place? I, I can't buy here. So you, you find a way. Um, this, the third property is, uh, was kind of a, we call it a California house hack. So it's uh, basically you buy a four bedroom house and you rent out the bedrooms to roommates. So yeah. I bought a house here in California. It was a four bedroom, rented out the three bedrooms and my three roommates paid my mortgage for me. Love that. There you go. So that's, that's kind of how the ball uh got started rolling. And then, uh, eventually I met my wife, Isabel. She's, uh, the other half of rehab hackers. Uh, she's the one that holds, holds everything together. She's the glue. Um, and so, uh, I would say over the last probably five years is when it's really started the snowball. Good stuff. Good stuff. So like, what does your day to day look like now? Like you've built the portfolio a little bit. <clears throat> Sounds like you have a core business. What does the day to day typically look like? So I lived the corporate world in the Bay Area for uh, quite a while. It was almost 16 years in corporate life. And uh, 
I was uh, traveling out of state every week for work and I was just getting burnt out, like living on a plane every single week, uh, never sleeping in my own bedroom. You get burnt out. So uh, eventually I was like, okay, we're making enough money from these rental properties and um, uh, I'm we're doing enough on these rehabs where I'm spending a lot of money to pay other people to rehab them. Yeah. And these rehabs are taking longer than they really should because I'm not around to, to manage them. 100%. And so one of the things that uh, I realized is like, I really want to focus more on my real estate investing because that's where the real generational wealth is being made. I was making great money in the corporate world. I was flying around a, on a private jet at like 25. Who, who, who can make that up? Like yeah. not some small kid from Oregon. That doesn't happen. No, that's dope. That's an incredible story. So, so getting into real estate, I gave up quite a bit uh, to quit my corporate world, but I gained so much more, I think, in time. And that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest things that I think was difficult to, to change my mind on at first was how much your, your time is actually worth. And so uh, I eventually um, quit the corporate world, started a uh, real estate marketing business. We do 3D virtual tours, real estate photography, drone, virtual staging, web design, all that type of stuff for uh, uh, the real estate market, mostly for realtors. And uh, so that was kind of supposed to be a side hobby in between the rehabs. Like if we don't have a rehab going and I haven't found a deal yet, I can work on this business. And um, something called COVID happened and just kind of exploded the 3D virtual world business. Yeah. So uh, 2020 rolled around and the business just exploded at the seam. So I had to hire some help. I have an assistant, an editor, um, and it it went from like a one man show to a a multiple people working together. And uh, so that's that's kind of my project. as as I'm able to work on it, and then uh, the the rehabs happen uh, as we find deals. Dope, dope. Do you guys self source those? Do you work with wholesalers? What does that look like in terms of deal flow? So deal flow lately, um, it, it's there's such a for the last I don't even know how many years there's been such a shortage of housing in California that it's hard to find deals. It's so hard. And so um, we've been either making deals out of what we found on the MLS, or I've we were able to find a couple deals through relationships. So because I have so many relationships with realtors in the area from my business now, uh, they now know what I'm looking for. They know I can close on deals and they're calling me with, hey, I've got this triplex over here. Are you interested? Before it even hits the market. So I'm getting these off-market deals now through the the relationships with realtors and people in the area. So we talk so about I, yeah, go ahead. Manufacturing deals on MLS. What what does that mean? Like, is it something like in terms of the process once you acquire the property? Is that something that you're working through? Is that so lately? Uh, our last two deals, the one we're working on rehabbing right this second, and then the one we just finished up uh, a few months ago, have both been pretty similar, where they're large square footage homes. There were, they have ideal floor plans, they're large square footage, and we're able to convert them into basically a single family with a junior ADU, uh, an attached accessory dwelling. And um, being able to do that, you're, you're able to get um, the cash flow that you would never see in California. Um, some of the, the cash flow numbers that we're able to see 
are ridiculous. And it's because for a very small amount of money, we're able to convert this huge house into two separate units. Jesse, um, can you dive a little deeper, like pick one property you did this year and maybe even give us some numbers. We don't have a lot of uh, speakers from uh, or listeners from California. So, and you're not worried about your own competition, but just if you could dive a little deeper so people could have a better understanding, like what'd you pay for it? What kind of work did you do? That kind of stuff. Sure. So I'll, I'll tell you about when we did, it's been about a year year ago probably that's fine um so it was originally listed at five hundred and ten thousand. um we had kind of watched it on the mls because it was about four houses down from one of our other ones and we we're we we're kind of curious it, it was a single family house with a detached adu um so uh we we really really liked the either duplexes triplexes or um the single families with adus uh, because you can get the numbers to work pretty well as far as cash flow. So uh, it was originally listed at 510. They had done multiple price reductions. And this property is about an hour away from us. So I, I'm looking on Zillow and I was like, okay, I got to get out there and take a look at this place. They're desperate to sell. The numbers don't necessarily make sense yet. Um, but uh, yeah, let, let's let's kick the tires on and see what's there. So um I, I called the listing agent directly and I say, Hey, so I saw you had this listing. Um, it's a few houses down from the one we already have. Saw you've done some uh, price reductions on it. So what, what's wrong with it? Why isn't it selling? And the realtor was absolutely clueless. Had no idea why it wasn't selling. No, it's like, well, it, it's a great property. I don't know why it's not selling. And so I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, that's, that's a good red flag that she doesn't know what she's doing realtors it's either the price or the property it's it's typically right. the price <laughs> and i love so they're, like what are your favorite deals in mls i love this, the deal bad realtors like yeah. i'll fight through it to get the deal. <laughs> this uh, this had horrible photos and i was like i can't even wait, tell if i wait, wait you can't take photos on your iphone from like the middle of the room this, this wasn't even an iphone this was like hooking their webcam up to their laptop or something oh from 1990 so like this, these were bad photos. And so um, we're looking at the photos and we're like, honestly, we can't tell if there's something here or not. And so I, I asked her, I said, so uh, it, it, at this point, they had already done $60,000 in price reductions. Wow. It, and this is in a hot market. Yeah, yeah, hot market. This, this is in a, a market where there's a shortage. And so we we're like, is this, is this place haunted? Like what, what, there's got to be something that's scaring everybody away. And so um, I, I asked her, I was like, so, okay, if it's, if it's, uh, if you don't know what's wrong with it, I was like, well, I, I'm just looking at it. I was like, I, I don't know if the numbers would work at 450. It's like, are your sellers motivated? And she goes, oh my God, they're so motivated. They're like, so motivated. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you're halfway there. Fair enough. <laughs> so I was like, uh, well, Shoot, I was like, what I if they're motivated, I might be able to give them an offer. They're not gonna like it though. They're not gonna like it. And she's like, Well, what were you thinking? And I was like, I I, I you're they're not gonna like it. I don't even want to say it. I'm embarrassed to say it. And she's like, Well, you're not thinking like 350, are you? And I was like, Well, no, probably not 350, but there's no way I could offer over 400. I, I know that for sure. And she didn't even pause. She's like, Oh, okay. I literally just talked her down 50k off their current. That's a bad price. 
right? Like not, <laughs> not trying to like coach you in your off rub, just like, okay, I'm, I'm done raising my hands. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you think how many bad listing agents are out there? Like it, like it's not hard to be a decent realtor, but these sellers are like, Oh, I'm going to give it to my friend. Yeah. Who in the words of Ruthie from Ozark doesn't know shit about fuck. They're just excited. Yeah. About listing. They'll list at whatever price because they have no inventory. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's a good scenario for you because now you're like, well, this negotiation just got super easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, damn, I wish these, well, in that scenario, you don't wish the sellers knew, but <laughs> sometimes <laughs> so, I feel bad for people, but. So kind of long story shorter, um, we, we, uh, we do lots of due diligence on the inspection side. We do, um, obviously your standard home inspection, your roof inspection termite inspection. We also do the uh, sewer inspection lines. Um, on this one, it had a like probably $90,000 deck off the back of it. It's up on a hillside, has the most amazing view, uh, ridiculous view. Um, it's on two thirds of an acre. It's right by the lake. Like wow. there's no reason why this property shouldn't be selling. <laughs> Just about really. Yeah. Yeah. So we, long story short, we were able to talk them down to 390 plus them covering our closing costs. That's incredible. So what is that? A hundred and I love it. about 130,000 under asking, original asking. Uh, we rehabbed the property, both units. Um, I did a, quite a bit of that work myself. So that was about 66,000 for both units. And uh, we price hack almost everything. So we don't pay full price for for pretty much anything. Um, so I typically buy the materials, I take them out and I either do the work myself or I find um, a, I get multiple bids and I find a contractor at a reasonable price. At this point, we've got a team basically built. So it's it's quite a bit easier doing rehabs now, but um, yep. a couple of years ago before we had our team built out, um, you had to, it spent, we spent quite a bit more time getting bids from different contractors to do different things. Um, so kind of walking you through the numbers on that one, um, once it was rented out, uh, one unit was renting for 1600, the other for 2950. So total between the two units was 4550 and, uh, cash flow on that was just under 2,500 a month. So we then took that, we, uh, we're big fans of the Burr method. So we refinanced out our money. We, uh, um, paid down the interest rate, got it locked in at a 3.125, a 30 year fixed. And, uh, it's still cash flowing to this day, about 2000 a month. Jesus. And we pulled, we pulled out a hundred percent. Well, okay. 99% of our money uh, we got $2,100 left up in that deal. No um, one's going to be upset about leaving them 1%. <laughs> it's like a 1100 uh, 1100% cash on cash return. <laughs> that That's, that's the game. Right. But you know what? So this is where a lot of people lose sight. Right. So <clears throat> when did you take down that deal? 2000. This was mid 2020, late 2020, somewhere around there. And when did you get started in the game? Pre 2011, right? When did you get started? Uh, first started rehabbing was probably 2016. Before that, we were buying turnkey properties that probably overpaying for them too. You even think about that. You've been in the game at least 10 years, right? And people are like, how do you get all these good deals? Listen, at some point it becomes staying power. 
you get to figure like the first five to 10 deals, that's strictly educational. If you're making money, that's fucking, hopefully you are making money, but like, that's, that's how you earn your street cred. And then you gain the education to start taking down deals exactly like you're talking about. People ask me all the time, like, how do you take down these deals? I've been in the game. I've built the relationships. That's how I find these things, right? Yeah. It's the same thing with Frank on a national level with the syndications. Build the relationships, gain the street cred, do the work, and you're going to find these slam dunk home run deals. But it's not going to be your first deal. It's not going to be every deal. It and takes, they'll say uh, that was easy. Oh, he's going to hit some. You got to hit some singles in between. It's not a grand every fucking time. Like these people, they just think like, oh no, I want to, I want to make a hundred grand on every flip. Like that's not reasonable. You're that's in the crazy. wrong. Exactly. Yeah. The, everybody. I, so we did a deal deep dive at a, a meetup a couple weeks ago. And a lot of people are like, man, I wish I could find a deal like that. I covered this deal. And uh, everybody's like, man, I wish I could find a deal like that. And I was like, this thing was on the MLS for six months. Yep. <laughs> I was like, they're there. You just have to find them. Um, and we're, we're constantly finding deals on the MLS still. Um, even in this, this crazy market that we've been in the last few years, uh, over the last year we bought a gr- marijuana grow house that was interesting rehab i love that <laughs> i've, I've done uh, a couple and managed those, so absolutely are we destroyed. talking a legal one or an illegal one it was well, illegal, illegal now, right? <laughs> this, well <laughs> uh, i i'm gonna go out on a limb and guess this was an illegal one there yeah. you go they you they destroyed the house it had uh probably well just the mold remediation alone was like 27k just to tear the part tear apart the entire house whoa and we found that out during the inspections that's a hydroponic system gone bad (laughs) real bad real bad so if you found it during inspections were you able to price that in oh yeah 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 Yeah, it was an out-of-state seller that apparently had purchased a bunch of houses out here for that purpose um and uh in retrospect, there was a few red flags that didn't stick out to us at the time, but they put lipstick on a pig, hit all the black mold, uh, covered up all the flooring with brand new floors. They, there was mold on the walls that they painted over. Like they hit it real well. We thought it was just a really, really horrible flip. No, no, they were, they were trying to hide everything. But as soon as the inspector went up in the attic, he's like, Oh my gosh, you can't hide this. (laughs) (laughs) too soon my grandmother used to say it's an old chinese proverb like too soon old too late smart like that was <laughs> they would have been better off got in the house and like prepping it for you right than yeah, yeah. on that stuff so so basically we made them gut their own house before they sold it to us <laughs> after they just spent all the money to cover they, it up they spent 27k gutting their own house and then had to sell it to us for i think we got that one like 200k under asking Hey, you know what though? This is this is what that goes to show. Everyone's scared about making an offer. But if deals have been on or an opportunity has been on MLS for that long, what are they gonna tell you? No. That that's the worst they, they can tell you. That doesn't mean that you're not gonna get a deal done. It means they need more information. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Right? You guys have been on the market five, six months. Like we're in the still, I would argue we're still in the hottest market on record, right? Not as we're not getting to those crazy offers. We're still getting a ton of offers. Um, if you produce a quality product, if you have trash, you're going to get a trash price, right? So go out, make the offer. If they say no, educate them on why you're making an offer. Because odds are they're going to come back in a month or two when they still have no offers on the table. And they're going to ask you, hey, 
Do your offer still stand? Well, yeah, for 10% less. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's negotiate better terms. Like, give me terms. Whole paper. Sell it subject to. Sell innovation. Whatever. Right. Like, make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. There's there's so many ways to make deals work. And a bunch of people have walked away from the market recently where um we're kind of pivoting. We're we're about capped out on mortgages right now, conventional lending, that is. Um, and so we're, we're looking at seller financing deals sub two. Um, we're also, uh, we, we've financed all these conventional um, and we've been patient. Um, if anything, we're probably a little guilty of being too patient. Um, but uh, a lot of that had to do with having the time to be able to take on more projects. So you know people that are walking away right now, I'm shaking my head because this is the time to be creative. This is where you can be making moves. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's more of an opportunity now than it has been in a few years. I agree. Ab- absolutely. Uh, yeah, we're we're uh looking around at the market right now and there we just couldn't find the right properties before. It was so competitive. Um everything had 15 offers after two days. And so now we're able to like, okay, wait, this property doesn't have any offers after three weeks. This yeah. is amazing. Let's figure out how to make a deal work. And yeah, so uh, yeah. we've put in multiple uh, um, offers lately, seller financing deals. Um, I think a lot of the agents are more, uh, um, uh, I, I think they think there's a chance their seller will go with seller financing, but uh, a lot of the sellers are having cold feet on it. So we haven't pulled the trigger yet, um, but we've put in multiple offers lately. That's one of the things we're working on right now. Good stuff. So what is the biggest challenge right now in your business? Time. Um, time is, is the thing. And I'm kind of guilty of, I guess, kind of being a control freak. I like having my hands on everything. Um, and so uh, I think being able to delegate and say, you know, yeah, I could do the painting myself, but it's probably a lot smarter for me to hire that out is is probably the biggest mindset right now that that the mindset change that has to happen in our business is is uh being more hands off on the actual rehabs which I like it I enjoy rehabbing properties so that that makes it twice as difficult um is I'm frugal but I also like getting in there and painting and repairing stuff and um so it's uh that's the difficult part is finding the time for everything no doubt. So I'm going to get, I'm going to do a little hack, right? Like it sounds like mm-hmm. you're on your way, but um, I was kind of at a similar point about a year ago in terms of building out the right team and being able to gain leverage, which uh, we've got a team of killers right now being able to create an amazing culture. Um, and I feel incredibly blessed and fortunate for that. Um, but I'm with you. I like being on site, man. Like they're like, I'd rather be swinging a hammer than on the phone all day. Right. Exactly. So what we've introduced is we call them demo parties. <laughs> so demo parties. That sounds fun. So my video guy thinks this is hysterical. Um, we get the whole team. So we bought a house, uh, today's Wednesday. So two weeks ago on Wednesday, Friday, we hosted a demo party. So like most of the maintenance guys think that the sales guys like can't fucking hack it on the job site. That's <laughs> what we did. We get the team, our local team of 12 out to the job site, whole sales team, property managers, every the office staff included. And we take our turnover team and there's three leads on the turnover team and they rock, paper, scissors. There's three floors to the house. So rock, whoever wins the rock, paper, scissors tournament gets first pick and whoever loses it gets first pick of what floor they want to work on. 
Nice. Dude, you want to see people fucking hustle. And then the main <laughs> like, oh shit, I didn't know you could do this. I'm like, motherfucker, we're racing right now, right? Like, <laughs> like we're gonna get this done. Um, but like the fellowship and the camaraderie that was built because now the team's like, oh wow, like all these guys can do this. They're willing to come play alongside of me. Yeah, like that's huge. And honestly, I wish we could have a demo party every Friday. Um, yeah, for sure. Cool, but, <laughs> you can uh, get there. You can get there. Honestly, like that was that was super cool just to bring everybody together. Um, and we all broke bread for lunch and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, that's I, awesome. I made it seem always De- demo's the best part. I don't let anybody else do that part. Oh hell yeah! People are like, why do you <laughs> like? No, listen, like this this is where like I don't know whether I want to call it like David Goggins or like Andy Frisella type mentality of like when you do hard shit together. Like that's what brings everybody together. Like that, that's how you build that fellowship. And I think that a lot of people, they don't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that really helps develop a culture of a team. Yeah. No, the, the demos, the fun part. Don't ask my wife about her last time helping me with demos. <laughs> it ended up with an emergency room visit and her Oof. eating stitches. Oh no. <laughs> like a freak, freak accident. But, uh, you went too hard on demo day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little crazy. Jesse, what um how many how many hours a week are you actually doing the rehab when you have a deal going on? So a lot of it just depends on the week. So um if I'm in my business um four days out of the week, then typically the other three days are either ordering supplies, driving materials, doing something on the rehab side. But this time of the year, especially with where interest rates are at right now, the real estate market's dead out here it's, it's, it's real quiet. So I'm only working probably one or two days a week right now on my business, which means the rest of the week is completely on rehabs. Um, so, uh, I was expecting this rehab that we're currently on to take probably two, two and a half months. And I think we're going to knock it out in about six or seven weeks. So it's, it's, it is flying and it was a big project too. So, um, me being able to be out there every day, um, just speeds everything up so much. So, uh, if you were to ask me this question in like the springtime, um, there's no way I would be able to pull off a rehab, um, and even half that time. Good stuff. Let's ask, uh, the same questions we ask everybody, all of our guests. Uh, first one, if someone wants to become a better investor, what would you recommend? I think, uh, first thing you got to do is look around and see who you have around you. Um, I think surround yourself with winners, people that are motivated, people that have the same goals and ambitions as you, uh, that want to see you win. Um, and you can also maybe even learn from and help, uh, each other in your journeys. And I think that's one of the things we've really been working on lately is, um, networking with people in the surrounding area. We've gone to gosh, probably at least 10, 15 meetups in the last month and a half alone and a lot of that's just learning um learning about what other people are doing um meeting other people that are investing in our area and and trying to build meaningful relationships and i think um part of that is accountability part of that um is uh just being around like-minded people it wears off on you um a lot of your limiting beliefs just instantly disappear. It's, it's weird. And I, I grew up in a small town in Oregon where there's a lot of limiting beliefs. Um, I love it there. Um, I grew up almost my entire life there, 
but there's a lot of limiting beliefs. And once you start going to these meetups and all you're around is, uh, you're only around people with like just these limitless beliefs. It's amazing how much your mindset changes, like almost overnight. Sure. Um, is. Yeah, it's, it, that's, that's my biggest thing is as soon as you believe you can do it, you can, um, whether you believe you can, or you can't do something, you're right. Awesome. All right. Next question. What is one book that you've read lately that you consider a must read? So I'm not really a book reader. I'm more, I, I'm in my car a lot. So I, I'm more of a, I guess, audiobook sometimes. Um, but I'm more of a podcaster, YouTube. I, I listen to hours every single day. But if I was going to have to pick a book right now, I'm actually listening to it right now. I'm really into it. And it's uh, The Raising Private Capital uh, by Matt Faircloth. Yep. Um, I think that's a good one. And it, it's changing my mindset on um, private money. Um, because I've been pretty adverse to it, uh, previously. And so I, I think that one's been kind of a game changer for the future. No doubt. Um, if, if you're t- going to talk about books in the past, uh, everybody goes to rich dad, poor dad, obviously that's like the given, um, that's Good the book. holy grail of books. Um, I would say the the ABCs of real estate for beginners, um, is, if you're a brand new person getting into real estate, um, the ABCs of real estate by uh, Ken McElroy, I think is a good one, but uh, that's, that's probably my go-to right now that I'm, I'm still working on right this second is uh, um, raising private capital. Awesome. Okay. Uh, what do you want to be when you grow up, which means five or 10 years from now, where do you see your business? So I, I, we kind of touched on it previously, but I want to be more uh, hands-off. So I, I don't want to be, have to be at the job site every single day. I don't have to be here, here and there doing this and that. So uh, the goal for both businesses, both the real estate and um, our other business, Suncrest Digital, is to uh, grow them to a point where I can be more hands-off and I can be a a uh, better husband, be more in the moment, uh, be a better father when we have kids. Um, my, my father and my family um, was always there at the soccer games, always there at the football games, always there at the school events. There was never any question about like, oh, he's got to work until 9 p.m. So I want to be able to have that type of freedom when we have our kids. 100%. I love that. All right, man. We appreciate having you on the show. If somebody want to reach out to you, what's the what's the best format? Instagram, Facebook. Some people are giving a cell phone number, which I think is crazy. What's the best uh, probably probably won't give the cell phone. Uh, yeah, no doubt. I, <laughs> but uh, we're we're on uh, Instagram at Rehab Hackers, um, and then uh, Isabel manages that page. We're trying to put out a bunch of content. Um, we've just been so busy; it's it's hard to find time for content, but. We love answering questions. Um, we're actually working on something right now. If any of the listeners want to message us a deal, we'll we'll review the deal for them, give them our honest opinion. I love going over numbers and giving my opinion and uh, playing devil's advocate. And then uh, also, if anybody um, just needs help, has is hitting a, uh, a roadblock in their real estate journey, just ask us about it. And uh, we'll do whatever we can to try to help and give back. And I, I think 
going to the meetups, that's been one thing that's been really eye-opening is how much we're able to give back and it's, it's free to give back. Um, it's just a little bit of time. So, uh, reach out to us. We, we love interacting with, uh, with people in this world. Well, the Cashflow Kings are now following you. And I think, uh, after your podcast comes out, you get a little bump on followers as well. Sounds okay. great. Oh yeah. No, I, I really enjoy this one. So you guys, you guys heard it here. Give Jesse and Isabella follow at rehab hackers, incredible story. And, uh, it sounds like you're just knocking on the door and it's something significantly larger. Yeah, I got some ideas for you on that too. Love that. Thank you so much, you guys. So uh, we hope that everyone enjoyed this episode of the Cashflow Kings podcast. In between podcast episodes, check out our website at thecashflowkings.com or give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook under the handle The Cashflow Kings, where we post daily content. Cheers to your success. The Cashflow Kings. Cheers. The Cashflow Kings program is for basic entertainment purposes only. We do not give official legal, tax, or investment advice.